Hi, this is Neha here, and you are listening to Unraveling History. Here, we are going to talk about everything from the historical epics like Hindu Ramayana and Mahabharata to colonization and dictatorships to freedom struggles and what came after that. But before we begin, let me put out a disclaimer. I am not a historian, and everything that you are going to listen here is something I have read, researched, and understood. In this episode of Unraveling History, we are going to unravel the history behind Lord Rama's birth. Lord Rama is a human form or avatar of Lord Vishnu, who in Hinduism is believed to be the protector of the universe. So when we are talking about Lord Rama's birth, let us understand that we are essentially talking about Lord Vishnu, the protector of the universe, birth like in human form. So it's not a simple story that Lord Vishnu, the protector of the universe, was just born. There's there's a lot that went behind it. So our story begins a lot before even the birth of Lord Ram. So let us start right from the very beginning. And it starts in Ayodhya where, where the king Dashrata was happily living with his three wives, Kaushalya, Sumitra and Kaikai. Dashrata and his first wife, Kaushalya, had a daughter named Shanta. Kaushalya's elder sister did not have any child and was married to king of Anga Pradesh, Romantada. Now, Romantada had not come here just for meeting his friend but to ask for something very special. Romantada wanted to adopt Shanta as his daughter. Dashrata's daughter Shanta and Romantada had always had a very close bond and Romantada loved Shanta as his own daughter. But still, the request was quite a shock for Dashrata and his wife Kaushala. Dashrata looked at his wife Kaushalya, but to his surprise, the expression on the face of Kaushalya seemed quite assuring to him. Thinking that he has not understood it very well, he asks Romanpada if he can talk to his wife in private and then come back. He takes Kaushalya outside the room and asks her if she is okay with it. And she replies saying that Romanpada is a very good man and Romanpada would love Shanta as his own daughter. To that, Dashrata also agrees. So they both go back inside again and tell uh, Roman Pada that it is okay with him adopting Shanta. Now Shanta at this time was quite young and didn't seem to understand much of what was happening. But what she was very happy about was that she was going with Uncle Roman Pada. She was told that she could visit whenever she wished and that Dashrata and Kausalya would keep on visiting her every now and then. So she was very happy. So after completing all the rituals of adoption, Romanpada and Shanta left for the kingdom, Anga Pradesh. A few years passed and as thought by Dashrata and Kausalya, Romanpada had showered Shanta with so much of love and care that she had soon forgotten that he is not her biological father. Shanta and Romanpada had built a beautiful father-daughter relationship over the years. But Romanpada's kingdom was going through quite a tough times. The past year, the kingdom had not received adequate rainfall and there was drought. It was a difficult time for the kingdom and thus the king, Romanpada, was discussing with his ministers on how to tackle this drought. And it was at this time that his ministers told him about a very powerful sage, Rishashanga. The legend is that wherever Rishashanga goes, the rain gods follow. Now, Rishashinga has never seen a woman in his life and has devoted his entire life to worship 
away from the world of desires. This is why he had so much of power because he had never seen the world of desires. And Rishishanga's father, Vibhandaka, had made sure that Rishishanga never got distracted and walked towards the world of desires. Now, in order to bring Rishishanga to Anga Pradesh, Romanpada and his daughter decided to send beautiful courtresses to the forest to lure Rishishanga out of the forest. So, Romanpada and Shanta called out the beautiful courtresses from their kingdom and decided to send them and win them a huge boat with a beautiful ashram right in the middle of the boat where they could lure Rishishanga inside. The only very strict or stern instruction that was given to the courtresses was that do not be seen by Rishishanga's father Vibhandaka. The courtresses, once the boat was built, the courtresses embarked upon the journey and once they had reached near the ashram, they decided to stop there and observe Rishishinga and Vibhandaka's daily routine for a few days. Now, they did not want it to be seen by Vibhandaka, uh, Rishishinga's father. So, they had to make sure that they know at what times is Rishishinga alone. So, for a few days, they observed when does Vibhandaka and Rishishinga leave, when do they come back, at what times is Rishishinga left alone. In, in the ashram or, or is there a time when Rishishinga lives outside the ashram alone? They decided to analyze their entire daily routines and for a few days they did that. After a few days when they had a fairly good idea about how their daily routine goes like, they figured out a time slot wherein Vibhandaka leaves the ashram for some work and Rishishinga is left alone in the ashram. The coders decided to go and meet Rishishinga at this time. And she went in dressed as a sage uh, in the clothes that sages wear. Rishishinga was stunned upon seeing such a different sage who had beautiful long hair and had dressed so nicely and differently. She went nearby the ashram and asked Rishishinga if she can come in. Upon which he allowed her to come in and they had a talk for a while. After a while, she realized that it is time for her to leave as if she does not leave now, she might risk getting caught by his father, Vibhandaka. So she tells Rishashinga that she has to go back to her ashram as she has to do some prayers and she leaves. While leaving, she tells him that they'll meet again. Now, Rishashinga has never seen a woman in his life. After the beautiful court rest, leaves the ashram, he waits for Vibhandaka to come back. And once his father Vibhandaka comes back, he tells him everything about what had happened and how that very beautiful sage walked in and they had a conversation. Well, though Rishishinga had never seen a woman, Vibhandaka has. So, for the moment he listened to the description that Rishishinga is giving, he knew that it was a woman that Rishishinga was talking to. And Vibhandaka didn't want Rishishinga to fall into the world of desires. So he told Rishashanga that the sage who had visited was evil and that he should not talk to the sage again. But Rishashanga who had had a conversation with the sage did not feel that way. He did not felt that the sage was any evil after talking to the sage. So he did not agree to what Vibhandaka had just said. The next day in the early morning, Vibhandaka thought that he'll leave early this morning and go and confront this courtress and ask her about her doing. Well, what Vibhandaka did not know was that this courtress now was waiting right outside of the ashram 
waiting for Vibhandaka to leave so that she could enter the ashram and talk to Rishashinga. Now, after Vibhandaka left, Rishashinga was alone in the ashram and the courtless comes in. Rishashinga, upon seeing the page again, is reminded of the conversation he had with Vibhandaka last night and thinks that his father thinks of the sage as evil, but the sage does not look like evil, so he decides to talk to her but not let father know about it. So what he suggests the sage is that let's go to your ashram and we can talk there. The courtress gets shocked at this because she did not really expect it to be happen so quickly that in after meeting for one or two times that Rishishinga would be ready to come come with her. But the moment he is ready, she takes him back to her ashram. The ashram that Roman Pada and Shanta had built in the middle of the boat. The moment the Kodras and Rishishinga walks into the middle of the boat, inside the ashram, the boat starts sailing and they are taken towards the Anga Pradesh. And as thought upon by the ministers and Roman Pada and Shanta, the moment Rishishinga enters into the Anga Pradesh, it starts raining over there. After reaching to Anga Pradesh, Rishishinga realizes that there was a reason that he was being brought outside of the forest. The courtesses then take him to the king's palace and Roman Pada and Shanta explain about everything to Rishishinga. Roman Pada asks if Rishishinga would marry his daughter Shanta and Rishishinga agrees to the proposal and Shanta and Rishishinga gets married. This is around this time when Shanta's and Rishishinga's marriage has happened that Vivantaka has realized that Rishishinga has been taken to Anga Pradesh and he starts sailing towards Anga Pradesh. Well, Romantara and Shanta had already anticipated that Vivantaka would not be very happy about Rishishinga coming to Anga Pradesh. So they had already prepared for it and they had kept gifts for Vivantaka throughout his way towards Anga Pradesh. And by the time he reaches Anga Pradesh, he, his anger has calmed down a bit. And when he sees his son, Rishishinga, as the prince of Anga Pradesh, his anger goes away. While Shanta was getting married to Rishishinga and the kingdom of Anga Pradesh was prospering again, back in Ayodhya, Dashrata is really sad about the fact that he is not able to have sons to take his kingdom ahead. So he goes and seeks advice. And on the advice of Vasishtha, a renowned Rishi, he decides to perform a yagya. The yagya was Putrakamishti yagya. Now mind you, Putrakamishti yagya is a very difficult yagya to perform. And not many sages are able to perform it. But back in Anga Pradesh, Dashrata and Kaushalya's biological daughter, Shanta, is married to a very powerful sage, Rishishinga, who would be able to perform this yagya. So he decides to go to Anga Pradesh and ask for uh, Rishishinga to perform the yagya for him. When he talks to Rishishinga about him wanting to perform a Putra Kamishti yagya for him, Rishishinga realizes that all of this has happened for this very reason. Him getting out of the forest and marrying Shanta was all for a very reason that he could perform this Putra Kamishti Yagya for Dashrata and so that Lord Vishnu in his human form could be born. He agrees to perform the Putra Kamishti Yagya for Dashrata. And as the conclusion of the Yagya drew near, the Lord of Fire sprang out of the Yagna Kunda and the Lord of Fire handed Dashrata a pot of key 
and asked Dashrata to distribute it among his queens, obliging to what the Lord of Fire had asked him to do. Dashrata goes back to his kingdom and gives Kaushalya, Sumitra, and Kaikai the key. All of his queens conceive after the conception of key. Kaushalya gave birth to Rama, Kaikai gave birth to Bharata, and Sumitra gave birth to the twins. Lakshmana and Shatru. Now, if you are wondering why did Sumitra only gave birth to twins and not Kaushalya and Kaike, so here's your answer to that. When Dashrata gave the key to his queens, Kaushalya ate half the key and then passed it on to Sumitra, who ate quarter of the key and passed it on to Kaike. Kaike ate some and passed it back to Sumitra, who consumed the key for the second time. So, since Sumitra had consumed the key twice, she gave birth to the twins. And this is how Lord Rama was born. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. See you next week to unravel another episode of history. Thank you.